Let's take our Bibles this morning and go to 1 Peter with me, if you would. 1 Peter chapter number 3. So much, so many things are going on and happening, right? Carpet. Mrs. Freiheit demanded that the organ be put on the platform for her. <laughs> no, she didn't. Thank you for being gracious, Mrs. Freiheit and Leah climbing up here. We will need some help tonight after the evening service to get these instruments back on the main floor, but um, appreciated the, the help yesterday. A number of young people came in and some adults too. We got the chairs all back in, so a lot of work's been going on. Thank you for uh, putting up with our mess. More more work will be done over the next few weeks, but glad to be back in the main, the main auditorium. First Peter chapter 3 is where we're going to be at. That was a wonderful song to sing before the message I uh, hope you could sing it uh, with sincerity from your heart. Lord, speak to me from your word, by your spirit. Uh, show me the truth. Uh, help it to find good ground in my heart. And uh, Lord, accomplish your will in my life. These, these passages we're looking at here in the middle section of 1 Peter have been nothing short of challenging. Uh, he's talking about being in subjection. He's talking to these believers who are suffering, and he's telling them you need to be in subjection to your government. Nero was their emperor at the time. Um, the Christians were, were hated and despised. They, the, the society they lived in thought of them as evildoers. Uh, so they were being rejected. Christ was being rejected, and they were told to subject themselves. And then he talked, and you remember we looked at employees subjecting themselves to employers and they were subject themselves even when their employers were were uh, unkind or wrong at times they were subject themselves and a couple of weeks ago we looked in the beginning of chapter three and wives Christian wives wives who are following Christ are to subject themselves to their own husbands and in particular a husband who is rejecting the word of God He's rejecting the Lord. He's not a follower of Christ. This is not a godly man. Very likely that man would be lost or unsaved. At the very least, if he was saved, he was not following the Lord. And, uh, and now we're going to look at husbands in verse 7 today. And it falls in line with this idea of subjecting. A husband is to subject himself to his wife. We're going to look at what that means. Uh, what is the, how does that play out? Is, it, is, it, or is the headship of a husband not the headship? Is he not to be the leader in the home? And we're going to look at some different scriptures, and we're going to see this, though. But within the context, we see, we're seeing here repeatedly that the, these individuals, real-life situations, citizens, um, employees, wives, husbands, are to subject themselves. Christians are to subject themselves to these um, ordinances. And uh, to what end? To what end? What is the purpose? And you remember back in, I think it's verse number nine, he says here that ye may show, at the end of verse nine, that ye may show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so the whole point of this subjection to mankind is ultimately that we are submitting ourselves to our Lord and our Savior. That is the key. That is the whole point of this center part of this passage, of this, this, this epistle. We are to subject ourselves to our Lord and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He 
is commanding us to go back into this world in sometimes some very, very difficult situations and to subject ourselves in those situations, even though we're free in him, even though God is our father and no one is over him and we belong to him, we're his children, we're joint heirs with him of everlasting life. And yet he's sending us back into this sinful world into sometimes very difficult situations to show forth Christ. That's the goal. That's the point. And so when you and I go back into the workplace this week or into relationships, whether it be a husband-wife relationship, whether it be an employer-employee relationship, uh, whether it be citizens of, the, of, of Michigan or the United States of America, we do so out of obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to show forth our Savior. Let's look at our text, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, and it's just one verse. Uh, some of us might say, well, that's not very fair. He spent six verses on wives, and now he only spends one verse on husbands. Well, there's a lot in verse number 7. There really is. There's a lot in verse 7. We'll cover it in our time this morning. I do think this, and I'll say this before I read it, um, the, the women, the Christian ladies in this day would have faced uh, much more opposition. Uh, they were oppressed at times. If they were married to an unsaved man, an unsaved man under Roman law, if he found his wife in infidelity, he could have her killed without a trial. Okay. If she found him in infidelity, she couldn't touch it. So there was a major difference societally than there is today. So these ladies would have faced some tremendous challenges to obey the Lord and follow Christ and show Christ even to the point of possibly costing them their lives. And uh, so I think that might be part of that. Look at verse 7. He says this, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, speaking about dwell with your wife, According to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. It's a tremendous verse. Uh, it's a verse I've pondered for many years now in my life. It's not a verse that I've attained, uh, attained to or always maintained, but it's a powerful powerful truth. Let's pray and we'll look at it together this morning. Father, help us, I pray. We desperately as husbands need to fulfill this verse. You have blessed many of us with wonderful wives who, who do love us and cherish us as their husbands who submit themselves and subject themselves to us and our leadership, even though we often make mistakes or make decisions that that she would not make. And we've, we've been blessed greatly with the wives that you've given us. Father, I pray that you speak to us as men in this room. I think even of the young men who are unmarried, teenagers. Father, I pray as you have a wife for them and that day will come. I pray that you use this message this morning that they would purpose in their hearts that they're going to be this kind of husband, that they're going to they're going to honor you, Lord. They're going to follow Christ as a husband. 
and they're going to subject themselves to their wives and her needs. And to do that, Lord, they're going to know her, and they're going to honor her. So speak, I pray, by your Spirit as we go through these these truths. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's begin right at the beginning in verse 7. Or verse 7, he says, you see the word likewise. Now that's important. I've alluded to this just briefly already. But what does the Holy Spirit, what does the word likewise tell us about what he's about to, and what the instruction he's about to give us? The word likewise, we find it also back up in verse number 1, where he tells the wives, likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands. Okay. So the likewise in verse 7 points back to the likewise in verse 1, which points back to the truth he's been giving us. And what truth is that? Well, look back, if you would, to verse number 13 in chapter 2. The beginning, he says, of chapter, or chapter 2, verse 13, he says, Submit or subject yourselves to every ordinance of man, every human institution for the Lord's sake. Uh, look down, if you would, and still in chapter 2, all the way to verse number 18, he says, servants or employees would be our application today. Be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. And so we understand the likewise in verse 1 of chapter 3 for the wives, it's pointing back to citizens, subject yourselves to your human uh, government, every institution, every ordinance of man. It's pointing back to verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters, whether they're good or whether they're not good. Wives are to subject themselves to their own husbands. And now in verse number 7, you see the same likewise show up. And though it is not explicitly stated in the verse, the truth is there. A husband is to subject himself to his wife. Now you say, well, pastor, and some might say this, pastor, it doesn't say husbands are to submit themselves to their wives. Well, you remember Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Now this is not saying that a husband is to submit to the authority of his wife. This is not saying that a husband is to submit to the leadership of his wife or to the headship of his wife. That's not the case. But a husband, a husband especially, who's following the Lord Jesus Christ, a Christian man, is to submit himself to the needs of his wife. We ought to, as husbands, know our wives well enough to know her needs. What does she need? What does she need? What are her needs? What are her emotional needs? What are her sexual needs? What are her physical needs? What are her spiritual needs? A husband needs to know his wife, and we're going to get to that. And we're going to look at it. So a husband who's subjecting himself to his own wife is a husband who is subordinating his own little world, his own little hobbies, right? And I, I'm, I'm speaking for men. Okay, I'm, I'm speaking of my own little hobbies and agendas. Okay, so I'm not just picking on you. Uh, and we're, sub, we're to subordinate our desires sometimes to those desires of our wives, the needs of our wives, what she needs. 
Now, this is true if she's not a Christian, and this is true if she is a Christian. And I hope you see this from this text. We'll see it. Even if she's not a Christian, which I tend to think that's who he's talking about here, a husband who has a wife who is not saved, uh, that would be consistent with the context, right? We live as citizens of this world with wicked leaders, the Emperor Nero, uh, uh, Christian servants who are subjecting themselves to their own masters, even those, whether they be good and gentle or whether they be uh, uh, froward, uh, crooked, and mean-spirited. Right? We're not talking about necessarily a Christian employer there. In verse 1, in, in the beginning of chapter 3, he's talking about wives, subject yourselves to your own husbands, that if any husband obey not the word, they also, that husband also may without the word be won by the conversation, by the way the wife lives her life. While they behold your chaste conversation, the way you live your life, coupled with fear. So there it implies that the husband is unsaved. It's very likely that the wife here is unsaved. And so the Christian husband may be married to a woman who's lost, who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. She has a different set of values. Maybe she's not honorable. And yet he's to subject herself to her. Not her headship, not her leadership, but her needs. But her needs. Now, by the way, wives, you can abuse this. Be careful not to abuse this. I think we could all see that. Don't abuse your husband or the scripture and in in, in its command to a husband. But a husband's to subject himself to his wife. A husband who's following Christ takes care of his wife, whether she's saved or not. Uh, so what is the responsibility of a Christian husband to an unsaved wife? Uh, what what should a Christian's husband, uh, a Christian husband's attitude, what should his thinking be like? What is the attitude of a Christ-like husband toward his wife? And we'll answer that with two answers this morning. Number one, a husband who is following Christ is considerate of his wife. A husband who is following Christ is considerate of his wife. I want to give a word of caution here because there may be some wives here this morning and you are seeking to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and you are, verses 1 through 6 is where you're living and maybe you're married to a man and he, man and he is not saved or maybe you're married to a man who says he's saved but he's just not following the Lord Jesus Christ and that is true, I think, for every marriage that's ever existed, even the most godly of husbands at times do not follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that happens, a husband can make his wife's life miserable. So maybe you're here this morning and as a wife, you say, um, Pastor, my husband, you're going to talk about what a Christ-like husband does for his wife and how he serves her and loves her and honors her. And Pastor, i got to tell you, it's just ripping my heart out because I've never had that. And I want you to know that the suffering that you may endure in this lifetime is something that there is eternal reward for if you will endure it in faith. Trusting God that he has put you where you are. You can say, well, I made some, you made some poor decisions or whatever, but you are where you are. So now it's how do you go through that? How do you endure that? So please don't. As you hear the this, this, this wonderful truth of Scripture this morning, 
please don't allow it to, to cause bitterness and resentment in your heart because it's something you've not enjoyed, okay? But maybe for your children or your grandchildren, encourage them to turn to the, to the word of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him that they might experience what we're talking about in this passage. So number one, husbands who are a husband who's following Christ is considerate of his wife. Look at verse seven, the beginning part again. He says, likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Just that phrase, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, uh, dwell with them. Uh, according to, it's in the present tense. And what does that mean? Well, it means to a husband, a Christian following, a, a Christ following husband is continually, he ought to be continually living with his wife in an understanding way. In other words, know your wife and don't stop getting to know her. I remember a friend sharing with me how um, uh, a, the, their father keeps notes on uh, their mother. Uh, he keeps notes on his wife, okay? Um, he's, study, he's studying her, which I've, I don't have any notes on Cindy, okay? I, if I had, I could have brought them. That would have been great. It's too bad, right? Um, but uh, a husband is to be studying his wife. And, of course, wives never change. Women, women never change, right? No change allowed. So there are some changes, but a husband's to be studying his wife in a continual sense. Uh, this is a deep experiential knowledge he's talking about. That's the word gnosis, a deep experiential knowledge, not just, uh, um, well, honey, you said, but I've ex we've, as a husband, you've experienced, you've heard her words, but you've also experienced her emotions. You've experienced, you've studied her over a period of time, a period of years maybe. You know her. You know how she thinks. You know how she feels, right? You know what is important to her. Now again, wives, you can abuse this. What this passage is not te teaching is that a husband ought to worship his wife. And that, that would be wrong and ungodly. It would be idolatry for a husband to worship his wife. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking very practically. A husband is to get to know his wife. We're to be sensitive to the needs of our wives. We're to be sensitive to her feelings. <laughs> and this likely includes being sensitive to her sexual needs. Within this context, that's what he's talking about. It says there that we're to dwell with our wives according to knowledge. And it has the idea of, to, of, of intimacy, a closeness, residing together, to be together with someone in the house, to stay together. It, the, this word uh, uh, dwell has the idea of to stay close, to stay close. This is a problem in marriages today. It's a problem within Christian marriages today. You're not staying close. Live in the same house. Maybe you sleep in the same bed, but you're not close. It's a problem. It's, it's in direct opposition to this instruction in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 3. 
And we can say, well, the reasons we're not close are many. But this is the this is the responsibility of a husband to be pursuing his wife uh, and dwelling with her according to knowledge, knowing her experientially. It's it's actually a wonderful thing that the world knows very little of when you and I obey the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not without opposition, is it? There is opposition. And uh, I love when young people get married, right? And they're all excited. You know, they've, they've been engaged for eight months. It's been so long. They've known each other for such a long time. Seems like forever. And they know one another. They know nothing of one another. But they think they know one another. But they're going to know one another. The question is, will the husband choose to continue? Will he submit to the Lord? And will he can pursue her in knowing her? Or will he throw in the towel and say, you know what? I know enough. And husbands, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's wrong to do that. It's anti-Christ to do that. It's Christ-like to continue to pursue her, to know her. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, um, this same word for dwell shows up, and it specifically speaks of intercourse. And that's how this word is used. So there's definitely a sexual overtone here. A believing husband who is following Christ will live closely with his wife in a deeply intimate way. Don't cut yourself off from her. Don't cut yourself off from her deepest needs. Don't cut yourself off from her physical needs or her emotional needs just because she's not following Christ. Just because she's not a Christian. That's not the instruction that a husband who is following Christ is given. This, I I would say this instruction in this passage goes directly against what our flesh would be inclined to do and what the world would recommend. So a husband who's following Christ needs to live with his wife according to knowledge. Live with your wife in an understanding way. Men, we're not to be domineering. Husbands, we're not to be domineering over our wives. We're not to be bossing them around. You say, well, that's not the problem in my marriage, Pastor. Well, we already dealt verses 1 through 6, so that's between her and the Lord. But neither are, neither are we as husbands to be bossing our wives around or bullying them or ordering them around or letting them do heavy work beyond their strength or making unreasonable demands upon them. We are not to abuse our wives. We're not to ignore our wives or belittle our wives or shame our wives. You see, if she has behaved, even if she's behaved shamefully, even if she has belittled us, Even as she has ignored us, we are not to respond in like fashion. Are you a believer, sir? Do you know the Lord? Do you know him? Has he saved your soul? Are you a follower of him? Are you a follower of Christ? Look look back over to chapter 2 and verse 23, I think it is. No, verse 21. And I ask you that, those questions to Christian husbands, because there are many of you here this morning. Look at verse 21. It says, for even hereunto were ye called. This is your calling, okay? Because Christ also suffered. We talked about that being called by the Lord to suffer sometimes. He suffered for us, leaving us an example 
that ye should follow his steps. Do you remember that? We talked about this. This is applied. That This passage is in the context of a husband knowing his wife who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, when he was vilified, he did not vilify again. He did not revile again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. What did Jesus do when he was vilified? What did Jesus do when he suffered? He committed himself. He committed his persecutors. He committed those who were accusing him. He committed the whole thing to his father continually, repeatedly, over and over and over again. And that truth applies to citizens being in subjection to ungodly governments. This, that, that truth applies to employees who, are, who have to be subject themselves to ungodly employers. That This truth applies itself to wives who are Christians, who are married to ungodly husbands. And it applies to husbands, Christian husbands, who are married to a woman who may not be honoring the Lord. And the question is very simply this. It's this, this is not so much about uh, subjection to ungodly people, Ooh, how to do it. No, this is, about, this is about Christians subjecting themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. And his sovereignty, that he can choose what he's going to do in your life and in mine. And then he's going to ask you and me to walk that path a certain way. That's what he's talking about. So the unsaved husband, what would, how would he treat a wife who ignored him? Well, he would ignore her. How would he treat a wife who abuses him? Well, he would abuse her back. That's how an unsaved man would respond. How would an unsaved man treat a wife who's indifferent to her husband? Well, he'd be indifferent to her, right? That's what an unsaved man would do. But you, men, we are Christians. We know the Lord. We've benefited because he did not revile again. We've benefited because he bore that cross. And he has asked us and commanded us, I dare say, to take up our cross and to follow him. So we are, we are followers of Christ. So be sensitive to your wife, even if she's not sensitive to you. Be thoughtful about her. Be respectful to her. Love her, even if she does not love you back. So number one, husbands, a husband who's following Christ is considerate to his wife. Number two, husband, a husband who is following Christ will honor his wife. A husband who is following Christ will honor his wife. Now, in the perfect scenario, she's subjecting herself to him, right? She's revering him as giving him reverence as she would unto the Lord. According to the word of God. I mean, so if in that situation where the wife is honoring her husband and loving and submitting herself to her husband and she's walking in the spirit, uh, uh, God has joined them together and he's loving his wife. And I'm telling you, it is a beautiful experience. It's a haven. It's wonderful. And by the way, it can be experienced. And many of you in this room have experienced it. You've got to work at it because it doesn't always stay there. And it doesn't just happen. Okay? You're going to have to put, 
You're going to have to put the word of God and the instruction of the word of God into practice, right? I have to do that. We have to say no to our flesh and yes to the spirit, okay? So it is a battle. But when we overcome that spiritual battle, the and both the husband and wife do that, it is a beautiful experience. I want to tell you this, don't give up on that. Because I think I, I think some of us in this room have given up on that. You walked in the spirit, she didn't, and you were miserable and she was miserable. Um or maybe you didn't. You probably, you probably wouldn't be miserable if you continued to walk in the spirit. You'd have joy, and peace, even in that suffering. But eventually, you said, "You know what? Forget that. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'll, I will respond in like kind." Some of us give up on it, and I want you. To, I want to tell you, don't give up on it. But we're talking about husbands. A husband who's following Christ honors his wife. Look at verse seven again, the middle part. So he tells the husbands to dwell with them intimately, continually knowing. Their wives, And then he says, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So what does it mean to honor? What does it mean to honor? And the word honor there has the idea of a value of the highest kind. So a husband is to value his wife. Oh, we could go through the room and I... I would love to, to think, I'd love to imagine that we could go around the room and, and I know there are many testimonies that could be given where husbands would stand and say, I adore my wife. She is so precious to me. I don't know what I'd do without her. And there are many of you who would say that. There are others in this room probably this morning and your relationship is strained at the very least. Maybe there's not much of a relationship at all and uh, it's falling apart. And, and sometimes this happens to newly... Um, Married couples, and sometimes this is a married couple who's been married for 50 years. And you live together, you do the family functions, the formalities, you know, you live in the same house, probably not in the same bed anymore. You're just going through the motions, right? Just got to keep the front on. Um, but a husband is to value his wife. This is the highest kind of value. First Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about honoring and a vessel unto honor. And in verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians 4, it says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. That's interesting, an interesting way to say, I'm giving you these words that you'll know how to live in this life. You know, you're, you, you wear, you're tabernacled in flesh. You live in this sinful world, right? We live in this sinful world. And so God's saying, I'm telling you these things so you'll know how to live. And then he says this, uh, how you, you'll know how to possess, you'll be, you know how to be in control of your vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, uh, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Uh, and concupiscence is a word, we don't use that word very much anymore, do we? When's the last time you said concupiscence? All right, it talks about living life according to my passions and my desires. And so Paul, as he's writing to that church, is saying, I'm writing to you to these things so that you'll know how to live in your vessel in such a way that's not like the unsaved world where everything you do is according to how you feel or how you felt like responding or what you were inclined to do. No, 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 no. 
We want, the Spirit of God wants you and me to possess our vessels in honor, in an honorable way. And if we're not willfully saying, I'm going to obey the Spirit of God, then we will, in our, in our, will dishonor the Lord in our vessels. Okay, he's talking about this. So what should motivate a Christian husband to honor his wife? I'm going to give you a few thoughts for this. uh, They come from verse 7. Look again at verse 7, the middle part. He says this, giving honor unto the wife. What would be a motivation for a husband, a Christian husband, to honor his wife? Notice next, he says, as unto the weaker vessel. Now, is that offensive to you, Uh, men or women? Is that offensive to you that a wife would be considered by the Lord to be a weaker vessel than her husband? I hope it's not. I think it's politically incorrect, right? It would not be politically correct. But it, it's not, the Bible's not politically correct. It, it's not meant to be offensive. It's a simple truth. But notice that it doesn't say that wives are weak. That's not what the passage says. It says that they are weaker, which the implication is that husbands are weak too. Okay? So husbands are weak too, but wives are weaker than the husbands. So there's nothing about this statement that's condescending. Men are vessels too, and we're weak also. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 says, We have this treasure, this treasure of the Lord Jesus Christ, in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of uh, maybe of God and not of us. So he talks there about men and women. He says, you have... A treasure, the Lord Jesus Christ, in earthen vessels, just run-of-the-mill everyday clay pots, right? Breakable, replaceable clay pots. So what's he talking about here? Well, he's, women are typically not as strong physically as men. They're the weaker vessel, typically, not always. Now, why? This has nothing to do with character, weaker character. That has nothing to do with a weaker mental state. This has nothing to do with weak women are weaker emotionally, nothing to do with that, or, or women are less strong spiritually. No, 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 nothing to do with those things. Why don't women compete against men in the NBA? Why do they have a, a women's national basketball association? Why, why is there a PGA, professional golfers association, but then an LPGA, ladies professional golfers association? Why is that? I mean, if Pastor Scott and I went out and competed against two ladies from the National Golf Association, they would obliterate us, right? I mean, they would be phenomenal, and we would, they would laugh at us the whole way. And if we played a couple of ladies from the WNBA, they would obliterate us too, probably. I'm, well, now probably about it. They would. <laughs> so... It's just a simple reality. Genetically, normally, men as a sex are stronger than women are. Construction workers are made up of over 95% male. Police force is made up of over 80% males. Military is made up of over 80% males. Nearly everyone recognizes this as a general rule. Men have stronger vessels than women. And a Christian husband that is following Christ understands that he has a stronger vessel than his wife does. And so what? He's seeking to protect her. That's what he's getting at here. 
How, how is a Christian husband going to honor his wife? Well, he's going to understand she is weaker in some ways than I am. And so I'm going to use my God-given strengths to protect my wife. I'm going to take the lead. I'm going to provide for her. I'm going to give my body to go and work and labor to provide for my wife. I'm going to take the initiative. And this is very much like Christ. Over in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23, I'll read to you some scripture here and listen to this. And I'm going to, we're going to pick out from it some characteristics that a Christian husband ought to have. Christ-like characteristics. In Ephesians 5 and verse 23, the Bible says this. For the husband is the head of the wife, talking about headship in the home, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Where, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. So he's to be loving, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. We as Christian husbands are to be selfless. Christ did this, that he might sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word, that he might present the church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now listen to this. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. You see, as husbands, we are to honor our wives by understanding they are the weaker vessel and very much seeing this in the illustration of Christ and the church, Christ greater, the church lesser. He gave himself to nourish us as his bride. He cherishes us. And so, too, ought the Christian husband do this to his wife. And very much like Christ and his church, are we as a church always what we ought to be? Do we always measure up to the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes or no? What do you think? How far off are we, would you say, from measuring up? Now, he has made us. He has made us there. But in ourselves, we are not there. And yet he is faithful to us and loves us still. You see, a husband, a Christ-honoring husband will do this to his wife. So husbands that are following Christ protect their wives. They provide for their wives. They care for their wives because God has made us capable to do so. Is your wife a weaker vessel? And many of us would say, well, yes. Is she weaker so that we would despise her? You know, like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you carry that? Is she weaker so that we would despise her? Is that? Well, of course not. Uh, is she weaker so that we would demean her? <sighs> Again, really? Now, I'm, I'm doing this intentionally. You ought to be revolted by that. <laughs> it's wrong. It's wrong. Now, I know she's a person. I know she makes mistakes. I know she fails. I know that. She's a person. Just like you are a person. She's not to be despised or demeaned because of her weaknesses. Later on, he's going to say in verse number seven that she's an heir of the grace of life. So, wait a minute, she's a weaker vessel on the one hand, on the other hand, she's a, the heir of the grace of life. She's an heiress of everlasting life. If she's saved, she's a queen. She's the daughter of God the Father. 
on the other hand. So she's weaker in her humanity, and yet she also is the heir, an heir of the grace of life. Is she no different than a male? Then, is she no different than her husband? You know, carry your load. You ought to be doing what I'm doing. Of course not. So there's a lot of wisdom in these verses. She, she ought not be left to fend for herself. No, she's a weaker vessel who needs protection, and she needs provision, and she needs care. God has ordained it to be so, and Christian husbands ought to be gentle to their wives, and we ought not be harsh. So husbands who are following Christ honor their wives knowing that she's a weaker vessel. And then look at verse 7 again. They do so, they honor her because she is an heir with us of the grace of life. Look at verse 7 again. Chapter 3, verse 7. He says, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Uh, If we're talking about an unsaved wife here, we're not talking about eternal life. It would just be the the, the grace that is living, the grace that is life. And if you're married to a wife who is unsaved, um, you need to give special consideration to her. You, you as a husband, if you're born again, would want nothing more than she would be than she would be saved. And you would subject yourself to her needs in an effort to win her to the Lord. You would help your wife. She's the mother of your children. She's the queen of your home. She's your partner. She's your friend for life. And God would expect you to honor your wife in that way. But there's application here, I think, for a husband who is married to a woman who is saved. And I want you to consider what it means to be a husband uh, married to a woman who is saved. Heirs together, he says, of the grace of life. How did you and how did you and your wife come to know the Lord? Look back at chapter one of first Peter, verse three. He says there in verse 3 and 4, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. You were both born again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, both you and your wife, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Uh, I want you to notice this. If you and your wife are both saved, then you are both heirs of something eternal. You see, within Christianity, within the teaching of the word of God, the wife is not less than the husband. And the husband is not less than the wife. This is God's perspective on a husband-wife relationship. And he's telling the husbands, we need to subject ourselves to our wives and we need to understand who we're living with. If she's a born-again believer, I need to understand who I'm living with. I'm not just living with Cindy, who was formerly known as Schmelzer, who grew up in Pennsylvania, who I met in Florida. I'm living with someone who is born again. I'm living with a daughter of the Lord God Almighty who he purchased with the blood of his own son. And this daughter of his is someday going to help rule the universe with him. And he has entrusted her into my care 
for this period of life that the Bible describes as a vapor. And if you're married to a Christian lady, that's who you're married to as well. An heiress? In verses 6 and 7, he says this of chapter 1. He says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trials that we face in this life, and there are many, sometimes from without, sometimes self-created. We overcome those trials by faith, by taking God at his word, by getting up again, believing that God forgives, believing that God still loves, believe that he is greater than my sin. And your wife does the same, and she gets back up, and she keeps pursuing. And what does she receive? The praise and glory. Praise and glory that's reserved for her someday in heaven. And he has not made us her judge. And, and ladies, he has not made you the judge of your husband. He is the judge. He will sort things out. If she is saved, she is forgiven of all things. Why are you punishing her? He would be out of line. You see, your wife, if she is saved, the woman you live with is an heir of everything. You are an heir with her. You're living with the future queen. And husbands, we ought to be amazed at the woman that God has given to us. We, look, we ought to look at her. We ought to look at her with amazement. Oh, we know. We know she's flesh. We know she's human. But we ought to look at her and we ought to not just see the physical. We ought not just see the, the emotional. And, uh, but we also ought to see the spiritual being that she is. There's one last motivation for honoring our wives. One was because she's weaker and God has given us the ability to provide for her. Two is because she's an heir of the grace of life. She's a queen of heaven. And number three, because dishonoring her will hinder our prayers. Look at verse number seven, the latter part. Chapter three, verse seven. And we'll be done. He says this. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessels and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? That your prayers be not hindered. Now, this is something that Peter brings up a couple of times. It's troubling to Peter to think about these believers who are suffering and going through hardships in their lives, being in a place where their prayers are being hindered to the Lord. And he actually, the Spirit of God brings this up to him because it's a devastating effect if the prayers of God's people are being hindered. If the fellowship between believers and their, their father is, is severed because of sin, their prayers are hindered, his blessing can be stopped. It begins to affect other people in our lives. Our own sin does not just affect ourselves, it affects others. And, and, and Peter, being led of the Spirit of God, brings us up to these husbands. He says, this is imperative that you subject yourselves to your own, your own wives. It's imperative that you know her 
that you that you provide for her and care for her. And not just minimally, but in abundance. It's imperative that you honor her. Honor her because she's weaker. Honor her because she's an heiress of the, of the future life, of the kingdom of God. And honor her because it'll hinder your prayers. In verse 12 of chapter 3, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, those that are doing right, and his ears are open under their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You see, sin obstructs our fellowship with God. It really does. Sin obstructs our fellowship with God. Sin obstructs unity in prayer. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 18, where he said that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, talking about prayer, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. That's a wonderful promise. It'll be done for you by God if two of you will be in unity about what you're asking for. But if the two of you are not in unity for what you're asking for, it will not be done. So think about some of the things that you pray for. Do you care about what you're asking for? Is it important? Are those things that you are praying for important? Do you take time to pray? Do you take time to ask the Lord? Do you understand that you're insufficient, but that he is sufficient, that you can't, but he can, and so you're taking time to pray? You're concerned about a grandchild, or maybe it is your marriage, or maybe it's an unsaved relative, or whatever it may be. You're burdened for that. You're asking God for it. But is your prayer hindered because of sin? And then, frankly, just simply a broken relationship makes it hard to kneel in prayer together, doesn't it? Some of you have been, some of you have been saved a long time and married a long time. And for you, it, it, it's always a sweet time when you come together and with your spouse and you pray. Maybe you kneel. Maybe you've gotten to the point where kneeling is out of the question, but you kneel in your hearts. You pray the Lord together and you, you take your grandchildren before the Lord and you pray together. And there are some younger couples in this room, and maybe that's not a part of your marriage, and it needs to be. Pray together. But you know what? Frankly, sin hinders that, doesn't it? So husbands, your wife is not your cook. Say, yes, she is. Well, she's more than that. She's not just your cook. She's not just your maid. She's just not your personal babysitter. She is your wife. And she is the heir of this world, the world to come, the kingdom of God, a future queen of the universe. And God has called you and me as husbands to subject ourselves to our wives. What does that look like? By knowing her and continuing to know her and honoring her. The question is, will we obey our Savior's instruction? You say, Seth, she's changed a lot from when I married her. Yeah, you need, to, you need to get to know her. She's yours. God has given her to you. You say, Pastor, there's a lot of areas of our marriage that are just wonderful. We do this, we do this, we do this. So we, Seth, we love, we love, these things we love, but there's this area that's just, you keep pursuing her. You keep getting to know her. You honor her everywhere you can honor her. You honor her. And you leave the results of that marriage in the Lord's hand. You see, this is not so much, none of these are so much about, okay, I need to subject myself to the government, check. 
No, it's I'm subjecting myself to Christ, and so I do what he says. I subject myself to Christ, so I do what my employer says. I'm subjecting myself to Christ, so I'm, 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 I'm going to love my husband and honor him. Subject myself to him. I'm going to subject myself to my Lord and my Savior. God, you know my situation. You know the struggles. You know everything, every detail. But I'm going to subject myself to my wife. It's a beautiful thing. Christians subjecting themselves to the Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that we have to spend in it. Father, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified in this assembly. Be honored and glorified in our lives. Father, I pray for husbands this morning. Lord, I don't doubt there's been some conviction. Wow, I don't know any husband who would stand and say that he does. he's doing it right all of the time. But Father, I, 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 we, so we come to you as vessels that are often broken. And, and we come to you, Lord, lacking wisdom in knowing our wives. We come to you, Father, as failures in honoring our wives like we should, many of us. And so, Lord, in a moment of humility, I ask you by your spirit to take these truths and press them upon our hearts. Lord, renew our vision for, for our marriages. Lord, I pray that you'd rescue some marriages in this building. And maybe there are some who no one would know. No one knows. But it's, they're not marriages that please you. They're not marriages that honor you. They're not relationships that are the way they ought to be. And really, Father, they're that way because neither the husband nor the wife are subjecting themselves to their Lord and Savior. And, Father, it's time for us to do that. So may it be so. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to take your hymnals and let's stand together and sing hymn number 53.